Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Word down your way. Testing. Two, two. Well, we're so looking forward to this. The the co-writer of Mrs. Merton, uh, Coogan's Run and Royal Family and the producer of Gavin and Stacey and... Uh, Red Dwarf and Philomena and other great works talking about his first encounters uh, with live entertainment. It's Henry Normal. Henry, very nice to see you. Thank you very much. Thanks for being uh, inviting me. That's lovely. Not at all. And we'll talk about your your tour that you're doing very, very shortly. But first of all, we wanted to go back to your earliest memories of your first encounters, you know, with, with, with live entertainment. What was the first band you saw? Can you remember? The first band I saw was, uh, not, not many people will remember this, uh, Juicy Lucy. Oh, oh Lord, yes. Yeah. With, yeah. A, with that disgraceful album sleeve with, the, with the, the grapes. <laughs> yeah. they, they had one single, I think, which was uh, Who Do You Love? Who Do You Love? Yeah. yeah. And the steel player was, sorry, I'm going to get boring here, was you called Glenn Fernando Campbell. Oh, right. And he'd been a former member of a Californian psychedelic group called The Misunderstood that John Peel was very keen on. So Juicy Lucy always got a bit of a head. Juicy Lucy. You don't normally get this kind of response when you mention Juicy Lucy, do you? Most people go, who the hell are you talking about? Here we are talking about, you know, the bass player, where it was. Yeah, no, no, no. People, not not many people uh, remember them. Yeah, it was at the boat club in uh, in Nottingham, and I was seventeen. Oh, oh yeah, nineteen seventy three, and um, well, Led Zeppelin uh, played. The, once. the boat club had had such luminaries as uh, Led Zeppelin, even though you, you could only get about hundred and twenty, and if at a, at a push, really. Um, yeah. But uh, so uh, I was taking a chance, really. I, d- I didn't really, I wasn't really a big fan of uh, Juicy Lucy, but I just thought I'd, I went with my sister who was uh, 19. And uh, uh, and the, the dark, dank uh, atmosphere of it all and, uh, you know, the beer and the uh, the, the sort of uh, the mood of it all, because they're, 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 they're a little bit, uh, they're a little bit frightening, Juicy Lucy at times. Um, for a seventeen-year-old, uh, I, you know, I loved it. I was drawn to it. Right. Had you been to anything before that? Had you, had you been to any kind of Panto or cantos or comedy shows or any any of those kind of uh, no, memories well, I, as a child? 
I've been to the cinema, of course. I remember I went to no, see, no. Uh, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, Elp uh, with um, the, the Beatles. But um, I had actually, uh, before then, at the age of 14, I, I ran a, um, a disco for old age pensioners. Oh, <laughs> At the uh, the local uh, sort of uh, old age pensioner club, and we we'd play because they were quite old. Uh, we'd play uh, March of the Mods on thirty three <laughs> instead of forty five. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Give them a fighting chance. Oh yes, March, of, March yes. of the Mods, of course, written co-written by Roy Carr, used to oh, work right. for the enemy. Oh yeah, yeah, written yeah, between him and his dad. Yeah, he's making me quit. I, I wish, I wish, I, I mean, it were camcorders at the time, weren't it? I wish it had camcorded it. Uh, yes, but there, there you go. Um, and I did actually see the first ever comedian uh, came at Christmas to that club, and uh, I remember talking to him beforehand, and he was very serious. Now I thought he can't be a comedian; he's very, very serious. He wasn't making a joke at all. And then uh, he went off, and he changed it into a uh, a school uniform. Uh, kids' school uniform, and he came on. I always remember his first joke. He came on. He went, "Ah, oh, me, me dad, uh, 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 my mum says, what do you want for Christmas?" Uh, and I said, "I want something to wear and something to play with." And she gave me these uh, shorts with holes in the pockets. Oh, that's and very end of the pier, isn't the it? Pensioners loved it, and I thought, yeah. I thought "Oh, he's he's obviously saving the the funny stuff for for the <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Very good, very good. <laughs> when did you first perform yourself on stage? Oh, that was, I'd be about 19, uh, 19, and I, I was working as an insurance broker, uh, which is one of the reasons why I, I chose the name Henry Normal. Uh, right. uh, you know, I used to wear a suit every day uh, as an insurance broker. And um, uh, I, I'd uh, I'd actually seen, by that time, I'd, I'd seen my first ever poet, which was Roger McGough. Yeah, of course. Oh, right. Uh, and I saw him at Nottingham Playhouse uh, on a dinner time. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd sneaked off from work at dinner time to, to watch him. And, and he'd uh, read Summer with Monica. I don't know whether you know that uh, poem. Which is, uh, a lovely uh, sort of um, uh, group of poems about spending the whole of summer with uh, with your girlfriend. Right. And, uh, and of course, I, uh, at, uh, you can imagine at 19, I was besotted with this idea. And I thought, well, I can read off a bit of paper. Yeah. Uh, you know how odd's that? So, uh, uh, so I wrote some stuff, and I, and I got up, and I think I only did uh, um, about three poems, and um, I, I think I got fifteen quid. So that was what. Were five, they comic, five, or, were five they, were, or were they? Were they you expressing yourself? Uh, they were funny ones. Uh, uh, Can you, you remember know, the titles of any of them? Um, there was uh, one. Um, uh, yes, there, there was one about. Um, uh, the, the poem with no name. Uh, uh, so it was, uh, I might be able to remember it. Uh, in the movies, he rode off into the sunset, but the next day I saw him shopping in Tesco's. The checkout woman gave him a bad time and he never even shot her once, which only goes to prove Tesco's in like real life at all. <laughs> and oh, very, very, very Roger McGoffish. It is quite. It is just leaves it hanging there, doesn't it? So I'm very interested in this. So, what? When are we talking about here? When you went to see Roger McGough when you were nine? When I was nineteen. Yeah. When? Did, when? What? When's that? When's that? So, so I was born in '56. So that'll be oh, okay. Right, '75. Uh, okay. No, because it's really interesting. The whole 
you know, I'm I'm older than you, but you know, the the influence of the Liverpool poets and that little penguin book was it penguin yeah. i think yeah oh yeah yeah. Sound, yeah the mersey sound and so forth was just massive wasn't it for years and Incredible. and so for people like you successfully and me unsuccessfully who didn't could never master a guitar or anything yeah writing poems was a way to impress young women wasn't it basically Oh yeah, 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 and uh, and I, I got very little else going for me. I, as you say, my, my dad played the drums in a jazz band, oh. uh, and my brother he, he used to be in various uh, duos. Uh, one of them was called the uh, the No Can Duo. That was quite <laughs> very nice. good. Uh, and he we played guitar, but I got no talent whatsoever. I have actually sang uh, on a, um, a packet of three, which was a television program I did, to three point four million viewers. But luckily, it was a comedy song. Uh, but uh, in in lieu of uh, um, being uh, a rock star, uh, yes, it, it did seem at the time that uh, reading poems off a bit of paper was the next best thing. And uh, but also carrying around a battered copy of that Liverpool poet's book was an indication to to girls that you were uh, deep and sensitive. Sensitive, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, I, I think so. There was a lovely thing as well. I, I was a big Spy Milligan fan as well. Yeah, and, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I remember uh, Small Dreams of a Scorpion came out yes, yeah. uh, around that time. And uh, because he was so funny uh, in all his other books and TV uh, and radio and everything, uh, the fact that it was so tender uh, impressed me. And I've uh, ever since I've been trying to get that balance between being uh, um, laugh out loud funny, but also, um, you know, uh, to touch people, uh, uh, you know, and, and uh, be emotional in, in with uh, with uh, what you might call a greater truth. And uh, I, I think, uh, strangely enough, I think Spike Milligan probably did it uh, in a starker sense than the Liverpool poets. No, no, I'm sure, I'm sure. And of course, was... there was uh, um, uh, Adrian Mitchell around at the time. He was doing yes. similar stuff. Yeah, he was. Um, but but really, there weren't that many people. Yeah, there weren't that many people in that in the seventies. I mean, I suppose John Cooper Clark was one of them. Did you ever get to see him in the early? Oh, I've, I've, I've played with John Cooper Clark many times. Yes, I remember. Uh, um, I had to drive him to uh, Retford one day. I was living in Manchester, um, and uh, and I went to pick him up. And I thought I'll pick him up about three o'clock. That should do it. Got round at three o'clock. He was still in bed. Right. Uh, he, he got up, uh, and uh, for breakfast he had uh, an egg custard. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> and uh, he, uh, he lived exactly where you'd expect him to live, next to a yeah. graveyard. Uh, uh, and I thought he's, he's, he's living, he's living he's like he just life. emerged from it. Yeah, that's right. I like the idea that you talk about. I played with John Cooper Clark, so yeah. that, that's the way. You, that's the way you talk about it. You, you say it's a gig. I play. Oh yeah, well yeah, yeah, and you are playing, aren't you? You have, you're having a bit of fun, right? Okay. Yeah, and, uh, uh, yeah. No, uh, the, the old the old idea of uh, going on stage. Um, uh, you know, it's all it's a strange uh, thing to do, isn't it? I mean, you are um, you are. Uh, uh, reading stuff that you've already done, or, or telling jokes that uh, you've you've made up, um, so it is uh, it is like a play in in a sense. Um, you hope to to uh, to own in on some truths, uh, and you hope to be as genuine as possible. But uh, you're not ad libbing an hour. No, no, sure. But you presumably, 
You don't want to be booked on the comedy circuit, do you? Oh, I mean, no, 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 no. That's see, the worst thing in the world. No, I, I have done, I have done those. No, uh, sure. And uh, to, to me, uh, it's funny enough, I was talking to Steve Coogan about this a while back, and we were saying that um, the great thing about comedy is it's like sugar and salt. It makes things taste better. Um, but if you want to eat sugar or salt purely on its own, uh-huh. Uh, yeah, it's, it's better if it's with something. So for me, uh, it, with being, being with the the poetry, it, it, it sort of makes it uh, um, all worthwhile. But if if I just had to do comedy, um, I'd like to think in in all the TV and uh, films that I uh, was involved in that uh, there was an element beyond the comedy. Right. No, of course, of course. So so this tour that you're doing soon. Um, what kind of venues are you doing and how? what kind of people come? Well, uh, we're, we're, we've done nine at the moment. So right. we're, 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 uh, Monmouth uh, uh, is, is the next one. Um, they're sold out. Uh, right. Which is great, uh, and we're talking sort of uh, 500 to 900 seaters. Uh, Prime Bilston uh, is, uh, is on with me. We do an hour each. And uh, it's stories, jokes and poems. And uh, it is a lot of fun, and, and Brian's a lot of fun. I, I do all the driving, uh, and he does most of the talking, and, and we, we have a we have a laugh between the gigs, which is great. Right, right. So, what sort of people come? What sort of people come? It's mainly people uh, of an experienced uh, uh, vintage. Uh, you know, people who appreciate, uh, you know, uh, a bit of uh, layered entertainment. So uh, I would say uh, if 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 a 20-year-old come, they'd bring the average down quite, quite a lot. <laughs> uh, it, it's uh, it, uh, mainly over 40s. We're 45, the over 40s, I think, uh, was the old advert, wasn't it? Oh, great. That was Philisan. Philisan 45 is the over right, 40s. I should change my name, shouldn't I, to Phil? Yeah, yeah. Um, Phil O'Sam. <laughs> There's a future in that. So tell me, how do you structure it? Like you say, you're not just going out there and saying the first thing that comes off the top of your head. Do you do you just go on, carry on? Do you, yeah, no, how structured uh, is it? Go on. In, ter- in terms of structured, well, um, you, you, it's like any conversation. It's like any uh, um, uh, play that you'd see or, or film or everything. Uh, you want um, uh, bits that are upbeat and excited, or even a band. If you think of bands, they've got uh, you know they've got the uh, the, the big loud numbers yeah. got the, the gentle numbers and uh you know you you lay it out very much as, as a band would lay out a set um uh, and there's you sort of juxtapose so that um i, I like to call it a a salad rather than a soup right yeah uh, so that you get lots of different flavors do you always start with the same things and finish with the same things? No, no, I'm, I'm trying very much, because uh, I have a radio show on Radio 4, I try all the time to uh, to bring in new things so that I can put them into the next radio show. And I've done 11 now, so that's, uh, uh, they're half an hour each, so that's five and a half hours worth of uh, right. material. So I'm, I'm, I'm on me my next half hour's worth of material. So uh, it, it changes all the time. And it can change if you see us at the beginning of the tour, it, you know, it, it'll be quite different at the end of the tour. Yeah. So is that yeah. you doing, you're, you're individually reading poems and also there's kind of sections in the middle with the comedy between the two of you? Yeah, and, uh, you know, yeah. the, the, very often the poem has come out of an incident. 
Yeah. So it's born out of it. So you can talk about the incident. uh, And, um, you know, very often they're uh, uh, incidents that are funny in themselves or they're, uh, you know, they're tragic in themselves. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So uh, so they lend themselves to, to nice little stories. So um, it's those. And, and as you're performing them, uh, um, uh, lines come to you. And uh, as with, the, with conversation, you know, uh, things will crop up. Um, so it... it develops it's quite nice really i mean even when you're writing a poem you can be starting to write a poem you've no idea how, how it ends yeah it's a little adventure which is nice do you, is do there you any ever, aspect sorry go on, go on do you ever write uh, perform anything that you say i've just written this this afternoon kind of thing oh yeah very, very much so yeah yeah and uh, uh the, the the thing really is to have the courage to uh you know to to do things that you're not sure about and what i find is the things that um uh you you'll worry about the most are the things that go down the best yes yes and uh, you know for anything where uh, you know it's touched you because uh, poems make me cry uh, um you know you'll find that uh, other people are not too dissimilar uh, and uh, and they'll be able to lash into it as well and and things that hopefully i find funny or other people find funny um so uh yeah you've got to trust trust your instincts and of course i've i've done i don't know uh, at least a thousand gigs so uh, you, it's, like, it's like radio uh, presenting mm. you get a you get a knack to it right right <laughs> and do, do you talk about your um your your kind of personal background in television and comedy and so forth I, can, I do do sometimes, yes, and uh, little stories about uh, working with Caroline Hearn and Steve Coogan and, uh, and lots of other people that I've worked with o- over the years uh, and little incidents. That, that 
uh, that can come up. I try not to do too much of that because um, uh, you can be like a tribute band to yourself if you're not yeah, careful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I try to, you know, if it's an if it's a new thing that I've remembered, then I'll do that. Because uh, um, there's people that do see me again and again, and uh, you know, I I don't want them going uh, oh. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I remember laughing at that in 1984. <laughs> You've told that story before. Well, except people what? do like that, don't they? Yeah, they I, do. I, I, I interviewed Clive James, and yeah. he, he was talking about doing literary festivals. And I said, what do you do? He said, well, I talk about poetry and I talk about it in my new book, and then I tell the story of the Dunny Man. And the Dunny Man, with familiar to anybody who remembers reading Clive James' unreliable memoirs all those years ago, it's just a funny story about something that happened as, as a child in Australia. He was still telling the story yeah. 50, 60 years later, and people still wanted to hear it again and again. They, 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 he regarded it like a hit single, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. I just, I, it's the one thing I, I can't get off stage without having done the Dunny Man, because people it just, just love happy. it. They yeah. love it. Yeah, no, I, I can I can understand that, and uh, you know there's bands that I, I would go and see, and artists I would go to, and if if they didn't do one or two of my favourites, I'd be a bit upset. Um, so we do occasionally uh, put in, uh, you know, sort of uh, greatest hits. Um, it, it's it's always uh, difficult to know what, what your greatest hits are. Uh, you, yeah, you, you're not always the decider. No. That's true. But, uh, but you can imagine why some of these bands, though, that break up. You can imagine, uh, like, Free, I remember, broke up and became Bad Company, didn't they? And I, I was thinking, he's just sick of singing all right now, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I, no, I think it was, I think it was getting a lot more the other members of the band. Bad company. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Bad Company, we hear. Can I ask about Royal Family, just quickly? Just I mean, There must be certain things that you worked on that you're very proud of. I mean, why, why do you think that was such a big success? Uh, I think it's a, a big success because um, we were as honest as possible in portraying um, working class life uh, as, as it is. And I don't think it ever been done before. Um, yeah, it, 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 people had edged to it in in various plays and uh, uh, you know things like um, uh, Saturday Night Sunday Morning, uh, Loneliness, the Long Distance Runner, uh, um, you know, and some of those uh, '60s um, uh, kitchen sink dramas. But certainly, as a sitcom, um, uh, Till Death Has Do Part had, 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 had done a, a version of it. But nobody had said, right, well, we're, we're going to really sort of uh, look at it uh, head on. And, of course, what we did was we took half an hour of uh, the life of a family uh, and we did it in real time. Yeah. And we did it on oh, film, yes, on yes. Close, close in. It, you know, they were yeah. doing uh, stuff on film at that time. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, because we did that, you, you, you were there in the room with them. Uh, and a lot of those lines in the first series were lines that, our parents and uh, our friends had actually said yes uh, well when we sat down uh, uh, the, uh, to, to write it uh, Caroline just said uh, we, we're going to write this uh, story of a family and I got no idea who were in the family and she got no idea who were in the family really apart from the mum and dad and her and um, and we just said uh, right what does your mum and dad say and, and that's uh, and, and we actually wrote the first episode in two hours it just really? fell out of us in two hours. Mm. And it was as a stream of consciousness, uh, me, Caroline and Craig. And it just, uh, and, and I used to write it all down and then I'd go and type it up and just change it around a little bit, make sure it uh, make it all worked. Um, um, that uh, script never changed to, that's what you see on the 
television, uh, and uh, it took two years from writing it to get it on the television. Because <laughs> oh, the boss, the bosses didn't quite understand uh, that that was reality, you know, because they weren't working class and they weren't northern. So, uh, you know, they'd say, uh, "Can they be friendlier?" <laughs> we say, what do you mean they all they all love each other but it's not dallas they're not going to say you know uh, uh, i love you son no, uh, no. That's, that's not that's not how we how it works in the north you, you insult people if you, like you insult them. people to express uh, affection don't you? that's right and uh and uh but, you know they, we we had a read through and uh, uh and then we we, we did a, a version of it that was on multi-camera as opposed to single camera and that looked a bit too bland so then we we did the uh, um, uh, we did the single camera and it, it just came out. Luckily, it came out right. The thing I found amazing is looking back on it. You think that was once on television, that kind of thing. Yeah. And and do you think that if anybody had that kind of idea now, it wouldn't be on television. It would I don't know be on. We, we were in a we were in a good position because uh, we'd done three series of the Mrs. Murden show uh, and uh, that had gone down really well. So people were anticipating what Caroline did next, and uh, she was always quite stubborn, Caroline. Uh, and she said, "This is what I'm doing. Take it or leave it." Right. So uh, if the B band took it, ITV would have. Uh, um, so you know, it was uh, uh, it sort of forced their hand a bit, and I don't think they knew quite what they were getting. I remember the. Guardian review for the first episode said um, it was written by three middle-class people. All right. Now, I don't think Caroline or Craig or myself, if we opened his mouth, is going to pass for middle class. All right. Uh, but, you know, they they, they obviously didn't, didn't get it. I mean, now, if you ask anybody the Guardian, oh, we loved it from the off. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, but... Uh, but no. Dave's point, I think, is true. That, that you can't imagine anyone commissioning anything that slow anymore, actually. And that, that kind of te- that something that takes getting used to, you know, it's uh, no, no, yeah, everything's so much faster and more edited. It it is, and uh, so I think it was obviously time. But you, it was a it, partly it was a a reaction to the fact that you'd had all those Terry and June uh, yeah. episodes, and there was a lot of sitcoms around the time where everything was quite farcical, uh, and you'd have things like you go, oh, the the vicars uh, come in and uh, my trousers are down. What shall I do? Well, pull your trousers up and say hello to the vicar. There's, there's not a problem, mm-hmm. uh, and, and so because it was in that era, um, this, this was, this was such an, uh, a new thing that um, uh, you know it, it sort of uh, struck home. Obviously, having done it now, uh, any anybody else that tries to do it, and of course, The Office and, and lots of other great programs around the time, um, uh, you, you're going to be judged against those uh, uh, programs. And uh, you know, for a new a new program, it's it's difficult. I, I would say, uh, in terms of legacy, uh, Gavin and Stacey happened mm-hmm. because the Royal Family happened. Uh, and oh, right, that's interesting. Uh, um, you know, and, and it, there was trusted that, uh, that 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 could work. And um, I loved uh, recently uh, Derry Girls. Yes, uh, it's fantastic. It's, it's a great portrayal of. Um, yeah, of no, it's true. So great, even even that's a few years ago, isn't it? Now I I, don't, yeah. I, I struggle to think what it is right now that's um, creating that kind of buzz. I don't. I don't know. Um, there's nothing. Uh, nothing that I see on television that that's that you could champion in that way. Uh, but it'll come. I'm sure. 
Right. What, are you, what have been your particular favourites in the past? I mean, things that you didn't work on. I mean, you know, the Frasier Friends, those guys. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I like an Australian show called Mr. In Between. I don't know whether you've seen oh, it. Oh, well, yes, I've no, seen it. No, I that. haven't, no. Uh, the, oh. the, the Hitman. Yeah. I, I, I laughed out loud and I cried. Uh, um, and uh, it, it's um, uh, Australians do working class very well. They do matter. They do. Far yeah, better yeah. than the, uh, uh, the Americans. And uh, as you say, it's a, it's a Hitman. But it's not a hitman like um <clears throat> like you get in the movies it's uh it's like a hitman that's uh that's coming around like, like the milkman had come around yeah uh, it's very very downbeat uh, and he's got a daughter and he's got a, a brother uh, with a serious condition and a dad that he doesn't speak to and it's the old uh family thing and you, you your heart goes out to him and feels for for this man trapped in this world um but it's incredibly funny because um the main character uh, has got a skewed view of life, um, and uh, and sometimes you find yourself reluctantly agreeing with him, uh, mm-hmm. and sometimes yeah. it's abhorrent. Um, do you remember? Do, do you remember there was? A, a, I, I thought of this when Mrs. Merton came out. There was a, a, an Australian comic called Norman Gunston. Oh, I love was Norman absolutely Gunston. amazing guy who was just he was a kind of fictional interviewer, wasn't he? Like Mrs. Oh, Merton. Oh, he was brilliant. He was brilliant. Uh, always had a bit of uh, um, uh, yeah, he had himself shaving. Where, so where, he had uh, always a bit of paper stuck on his face. There's a wonderful yeah. bit where uh, where Warren Beatty had arrived uh, to 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 tour of Australia or whatever. He was there at the airport, you know, yeah. and he, he didn't, <laughs> Warren Beatty has no idea who this guy is, you know. He says, Warren Beatty, you've been here uh, for three minutes, uh, you know, had any luck with the ladies? And he goes, uh, <laughs> well, no, not really. And he turns to his other camera and goes, Warren Beatty. Like, it's, you know, it's just so wonderful. <laughs> he was great. I remember seeing him uh, at a an American base in Australia and he was talking to the guard at the American base and he said, yeah, yeah. Let, 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 let us in. And as in, he says, I can't do the American base. He goes, just one foot, just just put one foot in. <laughs> he was <laughs> edging himself in. He was very, I, I thought, uh, I mean, I don't know what the time sequence is, but he he, he looked like he was probably the, the first one to do that. Yeah, well, the, that whole thing that Alan Partridge and, uh, well, I suppose Dame Edna as well, first, the, the interviewers yeah, yeah. who were fictional characters. Yeah, yeah. Last, and it was so Dennis, Dennis Penis at one time, weren't they? Yes. But but the, the thing about Norman Gunter, he had a certain geeky charm that he could get away with it. Uh, and uh, you were always on his side. He never, yeah. he, you never felt he was he was being horrible. You, you always felt he was just being cheeky. Yeah. Right. So, what's your next project beyond this? Uh, beyond this, um, uh, well, beyond a certain point, death. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not there in the calendar. Uh, um, uh, but uh, do you know I'm I'm loving doing the radio four shows. So uh, my next one uh, is a normal. I, I, I theme them in loosely. Uh, next one is a normal story. So uh, I'm I'm working towards uh, that. So that'll be uh, I think my twelfth uh, show. And uh, I, I write the books. Um, I uh, I don't really have any great ambition because I'm sort of retired in in a way, uh, um, so I'm just enjoying. Uh, it's a pretty hectic schedule we're, for retirement. We're, 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 no, we're just saying before you came on though. It's quite rare for people to be in your position to retire nowadays. Everybody else keeps going, don't they? 
Uh, they, they do, they do, but not everybody's got an autistic son, you see. So, oh, right, okay. I have a I have a son who's autistic. He's twenty five now, and uh, um, my wife Angela and I um, uh, tag team as a lot of, of course. Uh, a lot of yeah. do um, to to make sure he has a, a great life, which he which he does, uh, and I enjoy that. I enjoy being with him. And uh, so that takes up uh, time. And uh, uh, the the poetry really is um, a, a little bit of an adventure for me um, whilst I'm uh, whilst I'm doing that. Right, right. Well, well, you you're halfway through the tour, you know. So the traditional sign off, as we used to say, a whistle test years ago. Good luck with the tour. Come back and tell us about it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I will. That was me. <laughs> Word down your way. Testing. Two. Two. This podcast was brought to you by The Word. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.